coming up so next. So yes, yeah, so I, I provide therapy, um, trauma-informed therapy for children who've experienced some form of trauma. Um, but a lot of the children are just kind of experiencing like transitional periods of going from daycare to elementary school and parents just needing support and knowing the language to use for those children as they're transitioning mm -hmm. and to recognize like their developmental behaviors, like what's normal, what's what's not so normal. So after my sessions, I really don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be in a session and I'll engage in their trauma dumping, especially the parents, because they'll just end up talking about their own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't really think about it when I leave the session. I leave the room and I'm like, have a good day. All right, so what was y'all saying? Like, I go back to whatever I <laughs> yeah. was kind of doing because I, I can't internalize other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn that in being the strong friend yeah. that I can't exhaust myself and I have to have boundaries with how much I intake. With the attitudes, rolling the necks, yes. and da 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 I, 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 I can't stand when I see that. Because it's just like, why? why aren't you filtering what you're doing around your child, knowing that at those ages, they're so impressionable. Yeah. It's just like, you don't care to, mm -hmm. let me not talk about this around young right. Jake or not John Jake or whatever. Building <laughs> a legacy. So watch how you study me. You know what's in here, there ain't no comparison. Stacking up guarantee. Moving so militant. Consistent and disciplined. Getting that paper and stacking it up. No time for no chilling, man. Building a legacy. So watch how you study me. You know what's in here, there ain't no comparison, stacking up guarantee. Moving so militant, consistent and disciplined. Getting that paper and stacking it up, no time for no chilling, man. What's good? You're now tuning into the Inherited Podcast back from the episode again. If you have been watching and subscribing, I appreciate y'all very, very, very much. But today, yet again, another special guest. We're about to chop it up again. One of my favorite topics, uh, touching on mental health, but specifically, Check on your strong friends, right? Because your strong friends, they need somebody to talk to as well. They can't just handle everything all the time. But nonetheless, we're going to get right into it. So we have Isla here, mental health therapist and the host of the Daily Store Run podcast. How you doing? How you doing? Do oh, yeah. Got to do the research. <laughs> Ooh, I'm good, though. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited chilling. to be here. I've just been... Oh, I got to tell everyone the fun way in this space is... <sighs> <laughs> Beautiful and warm. Appreciate you trying yeah. to make it welcoming for all the guests to come in and like it. You know what I'm saying? Gotta 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 treat our guests right. It's a so. vibe. Appreciate <laughs> you. So look, before we get started, right? Icebreaker time. Okay. Pod deck. Um, I'm gonna pick a card. Okay, we mm -hmm. both gonna answer. You'll go first. I don't know what I'm gonna pick. I'm just gonna shuffle it up. <laughs> okay. Uh, whatever it says, you gonna answer it. This is in a deck where it's like some crazy questions. Sometimes okay. they're thoughtful. Sometimes they're like, huh? Taking okay. back a blast in the past, but. We're going to see what it's going to say. So today's like question is, hmm, what technology do you wish existed? Do I wish existed? Yeah. So something that we don't have that you wish we did have. I would say, okay, so I actually had an idea years ago. Um, I don't know if, if this would classify as a technology, but I wanted to create something that would be beneficial for those suffering from homelessness. Mm. So, as you know, as they're outside panhandling and asking for money, the average person doesn't really have cash on mm. them. And people don't really like to use Cash App now because people have found a way Facts. to get your money. Facts. But I wanted to create something where it's, you know, they would have to be registered mm -hmm. so that people know, that, you know, the, the population of homelessness. Mm -hmm. But they would have a card that's registered where they can, like, put their money to, and they could use that card to kind of tap it 
on other people's phones and stuff, kind of mm-hmm. like a Bluetooth. You mean like that dot card situation? Yeah, like, yeah. yes, like a dot card, but specifically for those struggling with homelessness so that they can learn how to be self-sufficient and learn how to manage their money. Because when they see the money coming in, it kind of sends like a different thing to your brain where mm-hmm. you feel more motivated and accomplished with what you did mm-hmm. for the day. That's so dope. that would be something... I actually like that. I, I, gotta, I really uh, want to have that on the hush, get that patent in the future. Listen, okay. <laughs> now, that's those. I do care. Like, Funny. thinking about the homeless, that's one of my passions as well to kind of figure out how can we help them yeah. more. You know, because, I mean, yeah, you can always just see them on the street, give them mm-hmm. a few bucks. But it's just some people who are homeless really didn't choose that mm-hmm. life. Uh, circumstance could have truly happened to them to yeah. land them there. They just don't have the resources to mm-hmm. build themselves back up. But I do love that. You want to help out the homeless. But for me, um... It may even exist, of course, and you know, the government and all that, but literally a time machine. <laughs> just but not to how not, far back? I mean, as far as back, because I don't want to see the dinosaurs, <laughs> all okay. the holiness walking the earth, everything. Okay. But just I would say it would have to have the constraints of you can't change anything, you know, just to specifically to view it. You know what I'm saying? Just go back. So like and, no one else can see that you're there. Kind yeah, of so pretty much like a it'd be called a fly on the wall time machine. Okay. You can just go back there and just see stuff and get some information, you know, because you never know. Maybe something we see back then could help mm-hmm. cure a disease here or see how did this start or how did that start or yeah. how how did slavery really start or some stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So it'd be uh, it'd be a time machine, the flying wild time machine. So I like the dinosaur thing because I have a, a real fascination with understanding the timeline of mm-hmm. when certain things existed and where it was. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Egyptian thing. I'm like, okay, so was that Jeez, at the same like time that. as the dinosaurs? And where was everybody at? Oh, that's a good question. I really need to know this information. See, so that that just shows <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. It'd be a good one right there. Yeah, that would be a good one. <laughs> For sure. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, right? So what they want to do is... um. Just get your background. So, and again, because this is a, a good topic of mental health, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that your background kind of played a part into the path you chose to go into the mental, mental health field. Because again, we all come from somewhere. We all have traumas we've dealt mm-hmm. with. And then just that passion grew out of somewhere. So just take us back to Young Isla, right? Just the, let's see what age I'm going to go to towards the... <laughs> The what if you can't remember? remember, (laughs) If you can't remember the eight-year-old to like preteen area there. So how was life for you then? What was like the family dynamics growing up? Just friends and stuff like that. School, high school, middle school. So what was your life like (laughs) then growing up for you? Well, so I grew up in a single parent household. I'm the oldest of three. Mm. So and I had a young mom. So my mom had me really young. Um, so I was kind of like the adult, especially at that age of eight. I was more so taking care of my siblings, you know, Mm -hmm. cooking, cleaning. Like, I was doing all of that in middle school. Um, And then I lost two of my uncles really young to street stuff. And that was the time that I was transitioning from middle school into high school. Mm -hmm. So high school just completely changed because I was just so angry. I hated the school. I didn't care for my family. Like, everyone was just super weird, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but I learned to be very like resilient and independent because I had no choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably one of the things that has allowed me to be where I am now, where I'm, I am very independent and I value stability like no other. And then kind of just more so learning about myself and the impact that those traumas had on me. Cause I wasn't aware of a lot of things when I was young. I Mm -hmm. just knew that I was feeling these things. But I didn't really have the language or the support to like connect with people and actually get help. 
So, yeah. So preteens, I was just in high school ready to get out. Mm. I didn't really have a plan of what I wanted to do. Um, initially, I wanted to go to college for law because I saw Legally Blonde when I was young. <laughs> and I really wanted to be a lawyer after that. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to be a defense attorney. I want to do X, Y, and Z. I did not do any of that. But um, Crazy how life goes. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, I still have an interest in it because yeah. I, I went to school. I got my degree in criminal justice, but then I got my other degree in social work with mm. a minor in political science. So I really love the art of like understanding policy and how policy plays a huge role in our economy mm. and our employment and job. Like it is huge. And I feel yeah. like everyone should be at least aware of what these things look like. Um, but yeah, so senior year, I actually volunteered at an elementary school helping second graders tutoring. And I really enjoyed, I guess, the impact I was having on them because mm. I was building a great relationship with them. Um, I would like go to their activities and stuff because their parents really respected the way that I was helping their children. Mm -hmm. um, but then I went to the military. Same. Which okay. was just a very random decision. <laughs> what branch? The, the army. Why you? Hold on now, because I was in the army. They ain't got to say the it like that. The worst branch of them all. Well, she would have preferred to go to the Air Force The, or air, the chair, chair Force. Force. Okay, yeah. I would have preferred to chill and do no work <laughs> at, at bare minimum. But yeah, I went to the military, which was, I really only went, I had an idea of the military from like films and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I really liked the, I just like the the support, the team, yeah. the, I don't want to say certain things out here, but just the the skill that you build me, from what these things look like. <laughs> I enjoy that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I went to the military, and that was probably the worst experience for me. Really? Yes. Why so? Well, you know, it is very hard for women in the service. I agree. Because we are around a bunch of... It's a male-dominant area, yeah. A bunch of men who... I guess you realize in that space that it doesn't matter if they have on a uniform, that a lot of people are still whoever they are mm -hmm. outside of the uniform. Um, so just dealing with, like, a lot of sexual trauma, a lot of harassment, a lot of, you know, I started going to group and therapy more when I was in the military mm. because of that. And I was meeting other women who were experiencing the same things that I was. Mm -hmm. And it just brought, like, it just shed a lot of light on the impact of the service and the impact of not having right. more women available to support the other women who need it. So, mm. and yeah, then, I, I, I then I got out and that. went to social work. <laughs> <laughs> so when you uh, growing up, right, it sounds like um, you had a, would you say it was such a you had to grow up at a young age? Yeah. Like pretty much, much you had all that responsibility just turns into a young adult. So with yeah. that, did you miss out on a lot of childhood or you still had a good balance of, yes, I'm kind of slick kind of head of household, mm -hmm. but I still had my going out with friends and having mm -hmm. fun. Or was that pretty much just dead for you? As no, up? so I have a really big family. So... Growing up with my mom, I also grew up like with my grandparents. And because we have a big family, I was always with everyone That's else. True. So like most of what I can remember from my childhood is, a, is from the weekends mm. of me going to cousins' houses, playing outside. I've watched every kid movie and every kid cartoon <laughs> show you could think of. I played every game. Like I loved kickball. I was a kickball was champ. The... No one can see me to this day. Okay, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I love doing out like I was still doing outdoor stuff. I still went to like camp. 
Um, but that was kind of what allowed me to see perspectives and how mm. other people lived, that I wasn't confined or stuck in my environment because I was able to see that there was something else out there outside of my mm. home. So I think that that um, kind of propelled me to being independent and stable, but also recognizing the that other people have different childhoods mm-hmm. and that Fresh. I can't project what I anticipate others to do onto me because it's what I do. Facts. So. I feel that. So, do you, and I like to ask women this because a lot of guests that I've had, um, and it's just ironic, the percentage of <laughs> growing up in a a, um, a one-parent household mm-hmm. has been more than two parents, right? Mm-hmm. So, would you go on through that? And, but as a female, because I'm, I'm 100% honestly just want to know, how did that affect you as a woman? So, your dad was in there, correct? Mm. So, how did that affect you as a female? Because, you know, people would say... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a woman who grows without a dad will have yeah. father issues and daddy issues, this and that. Yeah. But it's just coming from a male perspective. We can only say what we think that is, but I just want to know from the source, like, well, how did that... Source. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> we can't speak for a woman. Yeah, I hate yeah. when people try to do that as well. Is it? Yeah. So how did that really affect you not having a father figure in the home or what, what did that what did that send you in life? Um. So all myself and my siblings, we all had different dads. Mm-hmm. So myself and my sister, our dads weren't present. We did grow up like with my brother's dad mm-hmm. four times. So I have that bond. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess because I don't really harbor on things, I know that the adults, when you're young, the adults have their own struggles. And as mm-hmm. a child, you're not really seeing what that looks like. So I have a relationship with like my brother's dad, where I call him dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I don't know who my dad is at all. So I kind of grew up with people saying that someone was my dad mm-hmm. and making like very passive remarks. And I know the person now because me and him are super close now and I okay. call him dad. <laughs> That's <laughs> Just, a blessing. So and people will see me post him online because he's like super young and chill and mm-hmm. we hang out and we have conversations about what that felt like for me. Mm-hmm. We haven't done the test yet because I'm nervous. Oh man, I'm nervous that he would be and I, I'm nervous that I would be angry. That he that, is? That he is and that no none of the adults did their due diligence when I was young to ensure that I had that relationship at That's that deep. time. Because now it's like on me where I'm making the choice yeah. to get the test done. Jeez. But father wounds and daddy issues... <laughs> uh, Let's you know, I didn't it. really experience... I, don't, I didn't experience that because I grew up with my uncles um, who were young. They mm-hmm. passed away at... 22 and 24. So I grew up with them, but I also grew up with like a lot of the guys that they had around. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the males in my life are like cousins who are way older, um, whose homes I was always at and my uncle's friends that Mm -hmm. he grew up with. So I kind of was still able to like connect and bond with other men and just see how men should be like, okay, this is what a man, this is how a man carries himself. This is how he stands in his friendships. This is how my uncles preached about loyalty all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm 12, 13 Shut in high school and aunt. I'm talking about loyalty <laughs> and stuff. And I'm reciting C Murder and BG and people looking at me <laughs> like I'm crazy. And I'm like, if y'all not about what y'all talking about, then I just so I just gained like <laughs> my language was just so different because I yeah. was around so many different people <laughs> that even as an adult now, people are like, where did you get that from? And I'm like, my uncles, I just just, just ignore me. But that's still dope. At least you, <laughs> you may not have had your biological father there, but yeah. the fact that you still had those male figures, mm-hmm. that's what, I guess that, that's what was key. Because a lot of women who, they just don't have their dad and that's yeah. it. There aren't any uncles or yeah. brothers or other fathers that are available. It's just them, Mondukes, and life to teach them. Yeah. They, sometimes they will 
grow up not knowing, like you say, he taught you all those things to instill into you as far as what a man needs, what a man mm-hmm. does, what he should do. I feel as if those are important for a female because it's like when a uh, a male teaching a male, we can learn some of these experiences just off of sheer yeah. going out and doing. And it's like coming into your manhood, your dad can, they can tell you only so much, but mm-hmm. I don't want to just be a, a rock hard, hearted, solid man. I still need right. that. With that femininity from a, from a female to mm-hmm. know how to be compassionate, how to show mm-hmm. love, how to care. But the fact that you still had that from those other guys is a one. It's, it's a blessing in itself yeah. to do that. And I still I salute the fact that you are you were able to still find out who he is. But mm-hmm. it just still sucks that you kind of still have that. You're scared to really know, like, all right, is this true or not? Because it's like, that should be a I just don't want to punch everybody in the face who who didn't say anything. (laughs) Now, I'm not scared because I would feel the way. It's really because I would just look at everyone like, so y'all didn't... That's really messed up. Y'all could have told me this whole time. Yeah, Yeah, like, y'all... I mean, I wouldn't trip now, though, because we have a relationship. Mm -hmm. And he's very similar to me. Like, we have... Mm. We talk... He's in a similar field. He works for Scholastics, Mm -hmm. um, but he does, like, he goes to schools and he talks about programming and mental health and stuff like that. So we have a lot in common. And that's dope. As far as that, and we'll text each other all day, like, thoughts back and forth. I'll say something. He'll respond with his opinion. And we just send memes and gifts all day. And it's... It's a, but it's a, it's a blessing. Do you to think be it would be like that when that. you found out who he was? Like y'all was bond this much, or was this just like, oh, I would have never thought this in a million years. So it's so funny. So I'll tell you a story. So back when Twitter was Twitter in two thousand, like, <laughs> like when, when it was Twitter good was Twitter, <laughs> um, I had met someone on Twitter, and I have, I was having a house party. So this was when I was still in high school. I was having a house party, and. Me and the girl that I connected with on Twitter, she was like, oh, I'll come. And I was like, all right, cool. So she comes and my mom knows who it is Mm. because the person who everyone was saying was my dad, it was her dad. Oh, man. And that was the most ironic thing ever. I was like, what the hell? So then I was curious, like, who is her dad? Mm -hmm. Um, So come to find out, he was actually close because the cousins whose houses I was going to on the weekend, he was like related to them. But I never home. seen him. It's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. But I never seen him around. So I'm like, so this is why all of y'all knew because y'all are all pretty close. Mm-hmm. I was the only one who didn't know. So after that, though, me and her were really close. Um, I call her my sister because we look alike, but we're like super, super tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about him. We'll be like, you talked to your dad today? No, that's your dad. Did you talk to your dad? Like, oh, so, we're, <laughs> so she loves it because she just feels like, you know, you didn't get to experience him. For the time that I did. Mm-hmm. So she welcomes like my jokes and us being around each other. Cause that was something that I was curious about. Like I didn't want her to feel away mm-hmm. because me and him, you know, hang yeah. out and are around each other. But but I wanted to go back to something you said about, you know, the the feminine traits of a woman. And then you mentioned like compassion and nurturing. Cause I really want people to know that those aren't limited mm-hmm. to women Mm -hmm. because it's still like a man's role to show because even when when, if a man is bonding with his son he is still there to show him compassion Mm -hmm. if your son falls you know you show compassion in the fact that he fell and and he got up Mm -hmm. you still have to nurture his wounds and nurture him so i feel like for those who who didn't experience what that what that looks like you know it's still important to connect and build community around you Mm -hmm. it's still important to go out and Go to events and just see who you can be around because you never know what kind of energy a friend could have. You could have a male friend who Talk gives you it. that nurturing and compassionate energy that allows you to to 
know how to navigate through those types of relationships with the opposite. No, that's true. Yes. Like with me growing up, um, like I had both parents in the household, but it was still one of those things to where it wasn't the the perfect both parents in the mm-hmm. household. So it was like you might as well say sometimes you only have one right. and you lose your mom or dad. But like my pops, it was the and again, and just to, to pause here, like I had to learn when I grew up, like you said, they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. But me growing up, it was just like, like, bro, this this shit is it's so messed up. Like mm-hmm. my, I'm the youngest of four. But my Aww. older siblings, oh, you ain't gave me a <laughs> baby. So <laughs> but my older siblings used to always say, like, yeah, we was um the family of the neighborhood. Everybody used to love coming to the crib and we used to have this and that. But you was like, the only thing that I've experienced growing up mm. was struggling trauma. So it was mm. like, I don't know what that felt like yeah. to be in the the kind of wholesome environment mm-hmm. of the family. It was just when I came of age, uh, came of age and understanding, it was just struggling, got to pay the bills, got to yeah. do this and that. So, but my dad, he was just so much of the trying to just, I guess, build me and, and the boys just be the the hard workers, the hard body, like stop crying, uh, mm. oh, go do some push-ups because of this and this and that. So it was just like, yeah. I missed out on the, just the the love part from the male role. Mm-hmm. So even growing up in relationships, it showed in that area. So, But I had to learn it myself, mm-hmm. but it just took Longer than mm-hmm. I can't say, I guess it should because you know things happen how it's supposed to happen, yeah. but it was just like I had to learn that on my own a little bit, even though mom was there. But that was limited because she had to work and had to hustle, mm-hmm. so it was just being lost on your own trying to figure those things out as a as a guy. That mm-hmm. stuff is tough when you don't learn because again, you can ruin relationships, whether it's mm-hmm. intimate or business. Where I say, if you're in a business setting and you just Sit here, just want to be hard mm-hmm. body all the time. It's just still show compassion for your boss or your employees yeah. and just extending grace to, mm-hmm. to understanding, like, okay, this is why this could have happened. This is why that could have happened. But I feel like I agree with what you're saying. It's very important for us as men to, I don't have kids, but to speak to our kids mm-hmm. and to, to nurture them and tell them it's okay to cry. You know, if yeah. you're crying, it's just a form of emotion, like, let mm-hmm. it out. Um, acknowledge it, deal mm-hmm. with it, and come talk to me about like why do you feel this way? Yeah. Why did you start crying? Who hurts you? Why do you think they hurt you? Just mm-hmm. to have those open conversations, I feel is very important. That's what I I know for a fact. If God bless me with a son or <laughs> daughter or not, you know, <laughs> right? I just want to be that person to to do the the unlearning and relearning yeah. for them. You know what I'm saying? Just show them like, okay, this is I may not be perfect. I don't know what my life is going to lead to. Things to, could happen. Mm-hmm. Shoot, the market could crash again and possibly struggling, but I don't want to ever ignore them because I got to handle my business where they're growing up having a father, but not having a father in the yeah. household. So, but that's, that's very important for kids. But speaking on the youth, right? So jump into what it is that you do as far as the mental therapy in your field of work. So explain to whomever be listening, the specifics of what you're doing. <laughs> the specifics. <laughs> a um, little detail. So right now, cause I've, I've been, I've worked with a lot of different populations, um, and mental health and social work. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone to know, because I'm not a caseworker, because I feel like people say social work, they assume mm-hmm. that is That's what you be associated with it. But yeah. social worker, social work is just the umbrella term for anyone in service of people, basically. Um, so yeah, so I, I provide therapy, um, trauma-informed therapy for children who've experienced some form of trauma. Um, but a lot of the children are just kind of experiencing like transitional periods of going from daycare to elementary school and parents just needing support and knowing the language to use for those children as they're transitioning mm-hmm. and to recognize like their developmental behaviors, like what's normal, what's what's not so normal. Um, 
so also providing like a lot of psychoeducation for mm-hmm. parents and families. Um, but yeah, I work with kids between, I work with parents, women who are pregnant um, and kids up to 12. Okay. So, so they can be super small and they can talk a lot. This <laughs> <laughs> just depends. But well, what does um, that look like though? You know, except one thing you just said that sparked something in my mind was you were saying like transitioning from um, like elementary Grace. to middle school. Mm-hmm. So what, I'm, I didn't get confused, but it was just like, what what issues are they having to what you got to to address for them at that transitional stage? So to me, from what I've seen and and just kind of what I try to get parents to understand mm. is that it's really the the household. Mm. It's and this is for because I hold all of the parents accountable. It is the household. Yes, yes, yes. It is the you know they either don't have a schedule for the child. The parents could be having to get up early in the morning because they have to go to work. So the child has to get up. They're probably rushing. So the child is rushing. Mm. So the child isn't understanding, you know, transitions that mm. when you wake up, you brush your teeth, you put your clothes on, you get ready to get out, you eat, whatever you do, whatever the, the setup looks like. But if there's no consistency and stability in what that looks like, then they end up going to school with that energy. Mm. So if they were rushing early in the morning, you know, they're probably not going to be able to sit still when they get to school. They're probably going to be fidgeting a lot, you know, mm. a lot of movements, a lot of talking, um, not paying attention to the to the teacher. If they weren't able to eat breakfast, then they're probably hungry. So now they're probably having tantrums, mm. you know, because kids express themselves through their behavior because they may not have the language. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a household where your parents aren't using the language, like you said, to, you know, asking questions, how mm-hmm. do you feel this morning? You know, talk to your kids and actually bond with them so that when they get to school, they're able to navigate going from this class to this class. When you have this class and you have to take a nap, when you're done your nap, you have to get up and do this. Like mm-hmm. those are transitions that can be hard for those kids who are like four and under, mm-hmm. but then when they get to elementary school, there's no naps. You know, Thanks. there's a, it's very structured. You have to sit down. You can't just keep getting up and asking for snacks. Like there's, it's a different thing, and they they aren't used to that. Mm-hmm. And because they aren't used to that, they end up you know misbehaving in class. Teachers are complaining because they're mm-hmm. also understaffed. Um, the requirements for education is very different now. So you'll go to a lot of schools, and they have very young paraprofessionals in there who are just playing with the kids. There's no <laughs> there's no real background in anything, which is astounding to me. Um, but then you have those teachers who are calling the parents all day. Mm-hmm. And the parents have to come down and now everyone thinks that the child is having behavioral issues. And it's mm-hmm. like, are they having behavioral issues or was their morning messed up? Did you rush them this morning? Did you Were you screaming at them before they got into the school? You know, that affects their psyche. It affects the way they're going to engage with their peers. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not. They had a hard morning, so they get to class. They don't want to talk to anyone. Now y'all are concerned because they're not talking. But it's like, what are the underlying issues that, is that these deep. kids are having to deal with? Because it's not them. That's, that's that got deep. It's just it's, open yeah, my mind. It's a lot. Nah, but it's, it's that's good. That's good dialogue there though. Because it's just. I would think of it in that manner, but not as deep as you just went. Because I can honestly see now, like. Shoot, if I'm stressed out, yeah, if I'm waking up hungry and rushed and may forget something, I'm probably not knowing what being pissed is at mm-hmm. a young age, but yeah, they're letting out these emotions mm-hmm. that they don't know what it is, but they're just reacting to, I guess, yeah. how the body tells you to react. Mm-hmm. But 
if mama and dad yell at me in the morning and I'm mad, if somebody said, I'm going to yell at you, too, right. I'm, and I'm learning what they're doing to me. They say that mm-hmm. a lot as well. If you're at home, you're going to have to talk to your kids. If you're just mm-hmm. in that environment, on the phone with your homegirl, your mm-hmm. homie just cussing and yelling this and that, they may feel like this is how the human is supposed to interact. Right. So let me go to school and... Mimic this behavior. Yeah, respond in that same manner. Hence mm-hmm. why you're seeing either young females or young males going to school... With the attitudes, rolling the necks, yes. and da 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 da. I, 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 I can't all. stand when I see that because it's just like, <laughs> why? Why aren't you filtering what you're doing around mm-hmm. your child, knowing that at those ages they're so impressionable? Yeah, it's just like you don't care to mm-hmm. let me not talk about this around young right. Jake or not John Jake from or whatever. Oh, <laughs> 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 let me get that young Jaquan. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, I don't get why, again, I'm not a parent, but just on the outside looking in, I feel like there's a lot that could be done to mm-hmm. prevent these behavioral issues, to prevent these kids growing up being school shooters or being bullies yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why parents don't want to accept the accountability that is their fault. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I believe everything starts at home. If you're not at home, Giving your kids values, morals, principles, responsibilities, they're going to just go out here in the free world. And again, sometimes you're a product of your environment. Like whatever you're around, whatever you see, you're going to feel like this is reality. This is what we should do and what should be going on. I just feel as if that's the parents' fault, you know? Yeah. And again, like you say, it's a mixture of, because mm-hmm. they always say sometimes, or oh, the teacher just be lying on me. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's, it's kind of a little bit of both <laughs> on so parents funny. and teachers? It's definitely both. So, because okay. so like a lot of the parents that I've worked with, I mean, I even went to a school yesterday. I went to do a school visit yesterday, and I was in the hall waiting for my two of the little girls I work with to come into the school. And I seen a parent. She came into the school rushing her her daughter, and she just if you were to see her, I'd have been like, "This is your child is embarrassed right now. You are mm. embarrassing your child with the way you just walked up in this school like this." But she she was late to school. I think it was probably like 12 o'clock. Mm. And so the principal was like, you know, she's considered absent because it's after 11, whatever their time was. And she was like, oh, I want to, you know, she said she needed to get here because she had a, a dance event. And he was like, oh, that's not till next Thursday. And you could just see her grab the girl's face. It's like, I told you not to. And in my head, I'm like, you're mad at her. She is the child. Right. You should have her schedule. You should be aware <laughs> of her events and the times so that when she presents it to you, it's not it's not her responsibility to be accurate in that manner. Mm-hmm. It is your responsibility to say, no, your event or activity is next Thursday. And I'll make sure you get there on time, yada, yada, yada. But now you're but now you're grabbing her, you're being physical with her, you're embarrassing her because there are other people in this space. Mm-hmm. And you want her to go to class and have a good day. <sighs> That's trash. She is she is probably emotionally bothered. Right. And clearly you don't have the language to communicate with her. So she's not going to have the language to communicate to her teacher that she is frustrated or she is upset or she is concerned or sad or doesn't want to be there. But, you know, it's also the teachers not being mindful and aware of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know that you are a teacher. You know that some of these kids are in different types of homes and environments mm-hmm. where there, you know, there is stability or there isn't stability. You have to be aware of how these kids are interacting and engaging with one another. You have to be aware of normal developmental stages. Mm-hmm. A lot of their behavior is very normal. It's just an inconvenience for you as the mm-hmm. teacher. And so you want to punish these children because the education system and, and the school that you work at and the position that you have is ultimately not benefiting you. Mm-hmm. And you're taking it out on these children. 
and you're putting in their minds that something is wrong with them. This and I'd be having a huge problem with that because I'll get kids who come in and they'll say like, yeah, I, I'm bad because I like they'll say it. I'm bad because I did this. And I'm like, well, that that doesn't mean that you are bad. You made a mistake. It's OK to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everyone makes mistakes. That doesn't mean that you're bad. So it's like they they are programmed now to assuming that their normal behavior is is bad. Yeah. And it's like we don't tell somebody that over <laughs> and over and over. You're gonna that. try to believe it sooner yes. or later. And become adults who have normalized unhealthy behavior. Mm -hmm. So when they when they're adults and they're meeting other people and they're connecting, they're trying to understand why these other people are acting like this. Because to them, that healthy stuff isn't normal. Mm. The way you're talking to your friends, that's why y'all talking like that? It's like this is how you should talk. Mm -hmm. Now you have to unlearn. Now you have to go back years and kind of it's like for someone to believe this may be a terrible one, but if you believe that Jesus is real your whole life, then you found out he isn't. Now you have to unpack mm -hmm. all of that. And that's a lot. It's detrimental to 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 who you believed you were. Yep. Now you have to look in the mirror and like figure out who you are outside of the unhealthy norms you've been perpetuating for X amount of years. And that's, that's exhausting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exhausting to say it just there. Right, I'm just, you just, I'm trying to say it so all the time. much. Because it just makes so much sense. It's like, then as teachers on their end, it's like, you're right. Have some compassion and try to understand. Because yeah. I know, especially in Title I schools, these kids are coming from the hood. Yes. Extra, extra broken households mm -hmm. where the parents, even there was one time it was a school, I'm not gonna say the name of the school, but I volunteered there sometimes to work out like field days and stuff like that. Okay, but that's nice. They used to hear stories of, okay, let's say whatever her name is, oh, her dad dropped her off, but her whole book bag smoked like a pound of weed. So it's just like, and then the dad would get mad. It's like, <laughs> well, why the book bag smell? It's like, Bruh, because you sitting here right. either smoking in the car while you dropping her off at school mm -hmm. or so you just around the facility of her smoking at the same time. But then it's on the teacher side to just try to have that grace and compassion of just saying, you may have a bad day as a teacher, but you're their parent in yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. You're that confidant, that mm -hmm. responsibility there. So you got to try to suffocate your feelings and try to really just be a leader to these kids. But yeah. it's just some teachers are just really there for a check. Some just, which is a terrible job to do for a check because you're uh, really not you know, even getting a check. Uh, ooh, say that again because I, I see some like, of those salaries. It's like you woke up to do this job, you should do it great. Exactly because you, you know what is getting what's what is worth right, right now. So if you're gonna say yes to this, mm -hmm. you need to be very very passionate about mm -hmm. children and very passionate seeing the growth of a child in your mm -hmm. environment, not just saying. Oh, well, this kid is as bad as hell. You know, yeah. this and that. Let me just call mom and they're going to come pick him up in front of class mm -hmm. anyways. And, and back to that embar embarrassment stuff, mm -hmm. when parents do that type of things, it's like the kid is embarrassed. And then you have these other untrained kids who's going to pick at them. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, now it's like... Somebody going to turn into a bully. Right. Mm -hmm. So do I just sit here and take it? That comes in depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. or... Am I gonna stand my ground like mama and daddy taught me? And now yeah. I'm a bully again. I'm, a, I'm the bully back. Mm -hmm. Or now I'm fighting. Or now then again, I'm coming here shooting school up. Right. So it's just so controversial. It's a back and yeah, it's a man. Circle. How, how do you think it can be fixed though? If it can, your ideal situation. How can how can that be resolved to try to get parents and teachers on the same path of let's put these kids first and mm -hmm. recognize the issues, the traumas, and try to create a good environment for these kids to grow up in and learn in for first, first and foremost? Um, so it can definitely be fixed. I feel like it's really up to the adults to 
navigate their support systems. Mm. If you know you your child goes to this school, um, see what resources the school has because the schools usually always have resources. Mm. They unfortunately they may not be forthcoming with mm. the information. But it's also up to the parents to be accountable for the role that they play in their children's success. So you have to ask the questions as well. Mm-hmm. You have to go to their parenting workshops to go to for you to learn these things. If someone is constantly coming to you saying that your child is is exhibiting X behavior, do research on that behavior mm-hmm. and figure out, you know, if it's something that's coming from the home or if it's something developmentally that's happening with them. You know, it's a lot of parents who wait to the last minute for children who are who have autism or on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. They wait so long because they're either unaware of what resources they have, they're scared of labeling their child. Mm-hmm. But then there are so many benefits because a lot of these schools they have sensory rooms. You know, you can work with the counselor and they have like things where kids can journal and do grounding work and learn meditation and learn mm-hmm. yoga so that there is some type of peace in their school environment. And so I end up having to tell parents, I'll like create a list of questions for a lot of them. And I say, ask the school this when you Mm -hmm. register the child for that school. Ask them if they have these resources for your child in that school. And if they don't, then find another program Mm -hmm. or ask them to have these resources. So when I go to the schools, I'll ask them, you know, do you have common corners for the kids? You know, are there reward systems for the kids to understand the, the act of taking initiative and being responsible knowing the language around that and then understanding the consequences of not being responsible. Like if someone tells you to do something. Mm. Um, and a lot of times they don't have any of that. Yeah, that <laughs> and, sucks though. And I'm like, yeah, you can't just think that you're just going to teach them a, a curriculum or, you know, an, a, a topic and that's all that there is. They yeah. have to understand their development. They have to understand how they are engaging with their environment and with their peers and um, but yeah, and also getting therapy. Like so, the the program I work for is Chris 180. They're the biggest one in the state of Georgia. But the program is free for 12 and under. Listen up. It's a free program for 12 and under. Um, and then they have at Promise locations. They have three at Promise locations that are set up kind of like a YMCA. Mm-hmm. But those are programs that service 13 to 24, okay. and that's free as well. They accept insurance, but they have like free programs. Um, so kids can come there, they have therapy, they have music programs, like music rooms where kids can learn music. Um, they do like jujitsu and like activities yeah. out there. So there's these, there are resources out there. People just have to ask the questions. And go do their research to and find them. And do their them. research because <laughs> Google is free and you can just search, you know, what you need. Or you can go on United Way, the 211 website and search for everything in the state of Georgia. You is that the brand with the hand? Like something like that, I think. I think so. Yeah. Okay. That name just sounds familiar. Yeah, United Way, but the for Georgia they have a two one one website where you can search for literally anything mm-hmm. like housing stuff, clothing stuff, food programs, counseling's like it's everything. It's on there. There was plenty of resources. There are got plenty to of work. resources. <laughs> but there's two things I'm gonna ask real quick. But first, um, you're talking about autistic kids, right? Mm-hmm. And just children my, with autism. Children with autism. Yes. Let me get right. Children with <laughs> autism. They're very smart. Very smart. I, um, it was a program that I was trying to do was a while back, but it was an in-home program. My family had a okay. uh, a child with autism, but the, he couldn't, his issue was, I think he couldn't really speak, but mm-hmm. he had certain tics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this kid could do 
complicated math problems and algebra it's and so crazy. I my mind I still don't was understand blown it. Yeah. to the fact that but he did it to where he had like different pins and colors and stuff. So his colors and pins don't match the numbers and this and that. But mm. dude was he. I, I don't mind. Yeah, I'm not a mathematician, <laughs> but he was really doing it. But it was just to see, to see that and putting a label on kids like that just and to X them out. Little did they know, there's some of the smartest people yeah. in the world. And it was also a program that she was trying to implement. It was called um, Sunrise Program. Okay. I guess it was what happened. Are you familiar with that? Mm-mm. What happened was, I can't remember the guy who started. It was him and his wife. They had a child um, with autism. And they pretty much tried to treat it themselves in their home. So they would take them, okay. put them in a the bathroom because it was smaller. And they could um, pretty much have them focus on certain things. But mm. over time... They actually healed their child from autism just from doing sensory things and yeah. having they had, but they had to have somebody with him like twenty four seven to keep it okay. going and going and going. So they did it with wow. their child, and he ended up growing up and able to speak properly, talk, interact, and they um did it with a, did it with wow. a different family. So I was just like, just that label. That. Yeah, now, it, it's it's a, it's a good book, and the program <laughs> itself is dope. But to bounce off of that, right? When you're talking to kids at that young of an age. Is there a, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a barrier for communication, but how do you ensure that you're kind of getting across to them or the communication is like being met up to mm-hmm. where they understand what you're saying, they can retain it and try to apply it? Is that, is that difficult or is there specific things you do to make sure that works out? Um, So it's not difficult for me. I feel like I have really great um, connections with the kids that I mm-hmm. work with. I always get parents who are like, you know, they they don't really talk to therapists and they're not going to, I'm like, okay, um, we will see. And they come in and I feel like kids just can understand energy and they read the room because they're very smart. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the kids, like I've worked with three, I would say three and four year olds, right? So, because their parents say the same thing, like they don't really know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, they do. They're just probably not telling you mm-hmm. or they don't feel comfortable enough to tell you. Um so what I would do in the form of child-parent psychotherapy is when I have the parents involved in the sessions and I kind of allow the parents to learn how to communicate with their child and I'll briefly interject. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm doing like play therapy, then I'll do like a lot of role play depending on what the what their presenting issues are. So I'll do role play and I kind of talk to them. I talk to them normal, but I use certain words to see if they'll trigger their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say, you know, does anyone do anything that makes you so mad or has anyone done anything that makes that so mean to you and you get so upset and so angry? And so I kind of like will make these faces and do certain things so that they can see the words that I'm using and the mm-hmm. way that my face looks so too. that they can because then they'll mimic it. I'm like, yeah, I just feel like, and I'm like, okay, that that just made you angry, huh? That's right. Um, but it's like certain things like that just kind of get them to open up because they feel like you're relating to them. Mm-hmm. You're getting down on their level. I'll sit on the floor with them and, you know, we'll have blocks or we'll have action figures. I bring a lot of superhero stuff in it because mm-hmm. for kids who are, let's say, being mean to other kids or they're hitting and biting I'll talk about Spider-Man and they're like, I love Spider-Man. I'm like, so how does, how is Spider-Man with his friends? Is Spider-Man nice with his friends? Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll kind of, Spider-Man is so cool and he does this. And then I'm like, so are you nice with your friends? And then they'll begin to associate, <laughs> I guess, the character with themselves. But it helps them look inward at their behavior. They're then able to understand like, this is on me. Mm-hmm. I am actually in control of how nice I am to someone else. 
I am in control mm. of when I bite someone because they're not sharing their toy. And I feel like once they learn that, because toddlers are all seeking autonomy. Mm. Kids don't have choice. They don't really have any options. Like they do what you tell them to do. They, they want a voice. They want to make choices on their own. They want to be independent. So when parents limit their independence, even in play, where they're like, no, don't fall or don't do this. It's like you have to allow them the autonomy to make mistakes. You have to allow them the choice to you know, understand their behavior. I bit someone, you told me it was wrong. I have to know that it's wrong in order for me to not do it again. Mm -hmm. So then you have to present them with examples that kind of help them shift that perspective. But the adults have to be in a space where they can shift their own perspective. Oof. And there are a lot of parents <laughs> who don't want to shift their perspective because they feel like, well, this is my child and, and I'm a parent. And I'm like, people have kids every day. You're not just, you, I have a child and now... I am set for life. I have yeah. all the tools to be a parent. No one can tell me anything. It's like, you just had a child. You right. still have to learn how That's to new. be a parent. It's, this is something new for you. Um, so I just feel like having the language, sitting with them on their level, um, giving them autonomy with choices. You know, you want to play with this or play with this. You want to talk about this or... Because you could talk to them and at some point they'll be like, I don't want to talk anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of talking. And it's like, okay, well, what would you like to do now? You know, do you want to play and talk? Or do you want me to just be quiet and sit here? Like, I'm going to give them choices because then they are able to trust me. Facts. And they're able to trust that I'm going to allow them the freedom to express what they need to. I'm not going to shut them down. I'm not going to make them feel like something they said was rude. You know, they're kids. They're curious. They're inquisitive. They have questions. They want to know things. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what rude is. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of parents are like, they're acting they're acting grown and like oh, they don't know what that yeah. is. You're telling them what that is and you're adjusting their perspective. You're introducing something new to them that is not healthy. That is wild. That's, that's deep. It's man. a lie. No, that's a, that's a good information though. Like, again, I'm gonna have to come back and rewatch this when that day comes. But this is it's making said, me realize. Okay. Yeah, because it's like you would see parents just shutting their kids down. Oh, mm -hmm. shut up, go sit down. All that, and it's just like. I'm a kid. Like I don't. I don't know what responsibility. Is. I'm just. <laughs> right. a, I'm a kid. But as a parent, you may be so stressed out, and mm -hmm. it's just like you just so quick to push them to the side. Yeah. But it's because adults think with their adult brain, yeah, and they forget that kids are thinking with a kid brain, even if they look older. You know, because mm -hmm. I have a lot of little cousins who are. 12, 13 years old, and they're like, my height and my size. And it's like, <laughs> you also can't look at them based on their appearance. Yeah. Because they may look like they're about 15 or whatever, but they have the brain of a 12-year-old. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember that developmentally, they are different than your perception of them. That's wild. That's wild. That, that's, a, that's great information. But So let's fast forward, right? So as, as an adult who are, right, you're a mental therapist. You take in so much, and we were speaking about this before, you take in so much of these mm -hmm. kids' um, traumas, their issues, mm -hmm. and along with that, dealing with their parents, mm -hmm. and along with that, you have a life. You have your own issues, <laughs> your own responsibilities, yeah. whatever traumas you may have been through, just you yourself. So how do you, being the, the go-to person, right? How mm -hmm. do you release yourself, or how do you get your mind to a space of, I just took on all this stuff, and now I got to either, I guess, just process it or dump it in mm -hmm. some kind of way to still have the same mind. So what does that look like for you? So after 
I've worked on this a lot. So after my sessions, I really don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be in a session and I'll engage in their trauma dumping, especially the parents, because they'll just end up talking about their own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't really think about it when I leave the session. I leave the room and I'm like, have a good day. All right. So what was y'all saying? Like I go back <laughs> to whatever I yeah. was kind of doing because I, I can't internalize other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn that in being the strong friend yeah. that I can't exhaust myself and I have to have boundaries with how much I intake. Um, but I do a lot of self-care. I mm -hmm. journal. I do a lot of reading, which can be overwhelming too. I engage in a lot of social work, mental health yeah. stuff, um, just naturally on a day-to-day -day basis now that I'm thinking about it. Hey, it's kind of crazy. I do read <laughs> like a lot of like psychological books mm -hmm. um, from Dr. Amos Wilson. He's like my favorite Pan-African thinker, psychologist. He was just such a man. Um, but I think <laughs> I think just the way, like if people were to read him or watch his videos, he has you a gonna ton. You're going to let me pick up his information now. He has a ton of videos on YouTube. He's very like in your face. Mm -hmm. Like the black... <laughs> He, he be talking some good stuff. Y'all just have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, so you got to tune in yeah. now. Um, but I do like a lot of, I date myself. Mm -hmm. Like tonight I'm going to the movies. So I take myself to the movies regularly. I go to the spa, get my massages and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'll have like picnics by myself. I go to this park by my house and I'll pack up like some notebooks and some fruit and stuff. And I'll just sit with myself. Mm -hmm. Like I enjoy looking inward at myself. I enjoy just uncovering things about myself that other people have shared from their mm -hmm. experience of me. Um, Cause I feel like the goal is to get to the most authentic version of yourself, the highest mm -hmm. version of yourself. So it's not to strive for, for perfection, but it's to get to the part of yourself that's helping your evolution mm -hmm. and helping you maintain whatever that purpose is for you in life. So I feel like once you have that perspective, you, you ensure that you're not taking on other people's stuff Mm -hmm. And you find boundaries to protect yourself from your own healing. Mm. But it's it's definitely a work in progress. Like what you doing? Because I be slipping up sometimes myself. I'd be like, fuck. But we no, all had those no, days though. You know, <laughs> we had those days. But you you're deep in the self-care, self-help realm of your mind. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, they won't even spend that time with themselves. They'll mm -hmm. just go out and release this anger or release these issues in so many different ways. But it seems like you're you have that consciousness of what works for me and what should work for not saying everybody else, but being with you, you have to learn you. How do you expect to give 100% somebody else if you're at 40 or 20, uh, mm -hmm. if you're not just being involved with yourself, but doing those self-care self things is a, a great way to release. Yeah. Like for myself, if I'm ever having a immensely drained day, again, we relate on the whole, again, empath situation. Mm -hmm. I'm the person to where I get phone calls all day. Yo, um, what do you think about this? Or this is what I'm going through. Or so mm -hmm. how can I? So it's just, but I don't, I don't hate it. I love, you know, giving advice or trying mm -hmm. to help people work out through situations. But it's just like sometimes I have my own life. Yeah. I have <laughs> trials and tribulations. Yeah. So it's just sometimes it just builds up to be so, so, so much. I got to release, but there are so, so many short periods of time to do it mm -hmm. sometimes because of yeah. work and life is just, but I would. I'll go to the lake. I love just sitting by mm -hmm. a body of water mm -hmm. early in the morning to buy myself. I can just sit there for hours. And sometimes I just be sitting there and just looking just to hear my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll take a book out there and read yeah. it. Other than that, I'll go for a walk. One is good for your health. And two is mm -hmm. just just that um 
moment of silence. Yeah. Just no, none of those distractions just helps me process things. Because one, if I always got my phone and I'm trying to sit here and do that, it's gonna go. It's going to go off. Whether yeah. it's a, a notification, a phone call, or a text, it's gonna interrupt it. But I just love those serenity moments of just peace and quiet, mm-hmm. to where I don't have to talk, I don't have to hear nothing but the nature or my footsteps. Yeah. Or it's just those things are healing to me. Mm-hmm. It's just. Blocking people out is just the best thing in the <laughs> world. Is. Not being rude, but it's just like it's I not need, rude. It's for your protection. Yeah, it's like I need that time. I tell my friends, like I call it um, from the military, digging, digging your foxhole. You got to sometimes. I need you to stop using military terms. It's, hey, like, let it go. It, it was the best worst decision of my life. Go. You know, but it taught me a lot. It taught <laughs> no, me yeah, a lot. I know, I know. But using that using that analogy is just once you're in there by yourself. For all those hours sleeping at night, you have the time to sit and self-reflect. You don't yeah. have time to worry about what she has going on, what he has mm-hmm. going on. It's just you, yourself, and your thoughts mm-hmm. and having to process it and dig in and to sometimes talk back to yeah. yourself and, and answer it. Because again, mm-hmm. what they say, some of the smartest people in the world have conversations okay. with themselves. You know, sometimes, And I be having tons of them. You know what I'm saying? I don't need, <laughs> sometimes, you know, I don't go too deep in my combos, but <laughs> I talk back, yeah. look in the mirror. But just doing those Things helps me out a lot, but mm-hmm. since you you're also that that friend, do your friends kind of understand your boundaries, or do they mm-hmm. kind of cross them, or how how does that work for you with telling them like, hey, you know, or do you even do it, or do you just turn away the words and says, I need some time to you know just mm-hmm. I can't talk today, or I'm not answering the phone. So what does that look like for you as far as setting those boundaries with friends and family mm-hmm. and colleagues? Um. So I I am very great with setting my boundaries. So I have a lot of friends. All of my friends I've known for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So they are aware of my personality. Mm -hmm. Then when people understand my personality, then they're less offended by certain things because they know that I'm never intentionally trying to make anyone feel away because I value all of everyone's mental Mm -hmm. health. Um, But... So I don't really talk to my friends that much because they know that I'm I'm usually exhausted. Mm-hmm. I'm doing most of my sessions during the week and they know to ask me before they say anything to me. Mm-hmm. Like they'll say, like, am I in a space to receive them? Whatever. Cause I that's the language that I use with people. Mm-hmm. So like before I say anything, I'm like, are you in a space to receive? You know, I just kind of want to vent. Or yeah. I'll say, like, I want to vent and I want a response. Or I just want to vent and I don't want you to say anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I have to put that out there so that they're aware and that and then they're able to do the same thing with me mm-hmm. and with other people in their lives. Um, my family. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, the family be. <laughs> no, my family, I'm very like, I'm, I'm even more stern with them. Mm-hmm. Like my family knows we should probably just text her. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they know not to, because I do not play those games. But I only say that with my family because, you know, you have family who is kind of just stuck mm-hmm. in, in what's okay for them, which is okay. But I am someone who wants so much more for my life. Yes, 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 yes. And I want, I feel like me wanting more means that I'm going to bring in more abundance from other people. I'm going to mm-hmm. connect with people who have great energy, who are in the same wave as me. And my family is just not, you know, all the way. Like, I love them to death. It's understood. But they, they're just not, they're not seeking what I'm seeking. That growth and that personal Yeah, like, yeah. I want so much more. They want me to come home a lot. And I'm like, I don't want to come home mm-hmm. unless I feel like it. But other than that, you know, I don't want to come home and just do the same thing. I mm-hmm. want to do something different. I want to spend 
my money on a trip that's going to give me peace. Yeah. This is not going to bring me any kind of peace. Um, so yeah, I'm very like stern with them. And I'm the same at work. Mm-hmm. So my personality is the same all across the board. People know if she is walking fast, she probably has something to do and she is zoned out. Do not distract stop her. her for nothing. Like they'll come to me and they know, like, because I like to handle stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you need to get this done. I'm gonna move you here. I'm gonna do this. I'm doing things outside of what I typically do mm-hmm. because I'm trying to like I like cohesiveness in a workplace. I like for everything to function effectively. Um, so yeah, I'm really I'm the same person like all across the board. And everyone knows what it is with me. I just, yeah, but it's good. just for yeah. my mental health. Right. But mental health is key. That's important. Like for me, it's just the that's the most important thing a human being can focus on. Because yeah. again, you you hurt your leg, what you do, go to the doctor, get it fixed. You hurt your <laughs> arm, go there. But nobody really kind of cares about if my mind is kind of right. screwed up, let me go and heal from that. Because again, mm-hmm. therapy was the best thing that happened to me in my life. When I came out of military, again, when of the I military, came out of- <laughs> it was just from Shooting rockets to coming back to the civilian world. I can't translate yeah. that to nothing. So it was, it was stages of depression and, transition. and anxiety. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. It's a transitional period. I was going through a very tough <laughs> transitional period at that time. So it was just like I had to find something to to help me out. Mm-hmm. Like it was it sometimes it got bad, but sometimes it was just so confusing to where let me try this out. So once I did it, it was just so refreshing to be able to express myself to someone who's one. Well, again, it bounced back to having a great therapist, mm-hmm. one who actually is listening, one who can relate, and mm-hmm. one who asked those questions back to me to where it allowed me to think about things I never thought of before in my life. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to dig deep and to say, hey, this could be the root of why I'm even going through this now. I just yeah. got out of a successful career and this and that, but it's like, why am I still mm-hmm. kind of in a rut? But just going through that therapy was just a, it was a blessing. I always recommend if anybody is going through anything, go to therapy. You're not crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't look stupid. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna help you out to heal from all that past trauma and everything else. But just to say that to say, take care. We got we gotta take yeah. care of our brain ten times more than we do, especially being black out here in this world, mm-hmm. dealing with all the police brutality and all mm-hmm. the stuff we see that we intake is just it's very traumatic. We deal mm-hmm. with black PTSD, civilian mm-hmm. PTSD. We deal with so much to where. You can't just ignore it, and but it's things have been so uh like regular now. It's just yeah. oh, that's just this happening, or oh, that's just that. We can't look mm-hmm. at it like that, you know. We gotta really address it. Like yeah. this is not right, and if it affects you, go get the help. Go go pick up. You can even get out of a book. We'll get a book and mm-hmm. read about how can I help myself mentally and X, Y, and Z. But nonetheless, though, before we get out of here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for whether well, because you do deal with. Adolescent ages mm-hmm. and older people, or whatnot. So, if you could give them any kind of advice, any kind of pointers, or just that, I mean, motivation to yeah. take care of yourself mentally, or how to, if a parent does have a child that they're struggling with, mm-hmm. uh, but a big thing you said the language, mm-hmm. what would you give them to help them out in that situation? Um, I would probably definitely suggest like flashcards. So, there are a lot of flashcards, you know, with either facial expressions. For, for kids or younger adults um, and flashcards, like with certain words to, and you like you said earlier, like showing grace. Mm-hmm. You have to show grace for the fact that these children don't have the language because of their environment or their community or their school or their lack of support. Um, so utilizing that, having like a, you know, like we said earlier, like a reward system, but something like with certain words that associate with certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I really enjoy like Montessori techniques, the the idea of teaching independence in children and that independence will help them flourish into adulthood because they'll have the language, they'll have the skill um, and they'll, they'll know what it looks like to build community mm-hmm. when they are struggling, especially for our, our beautiful black young boys who really Genius. need the assistance with expressing themselves more vulnerably and openly. That's a fact. That's a fact. But so <laughs> some, some motivation and advice to them. That's all you right there. So give somebody some motivation right there and just get them into it. Okay. So motivation right for me. Let's do it. So take your time. <laughs> show grace to yourself because the best thing that you can do is, is what was I going to say earlier, is self-care. The best thing you can do for yourself is focusing on your own self-care. So if that is going to therapy, it is okay to do so because you're doing something to start your own healing. You're breaking generational curses. You're, you know, letting go of things that do not have to be a part of your journey. It doesn't have to be a label that you associate with who you are or who you want to be. And the more open you are to your own healing, the more people you'll end up being around who are on the same wave, who can encourage your own evolution. So don't give up. It takes time. It will be uncomfortable. It will be hard, but it's worth it at the end. Big facts. You heard it from herself. <laughs> so you got any announcements you want to give out to the people? Something that's coming up? You got coming? Wow. And I also I tell them where to find you on social media too. <laughs> yeah, follow me on social media. But um, so I am having an event for my podcast pretty soon. Okay then. Yeah, yeah. I want all y'all there. You too. Yes, my friend. <laughs> I want everyone there. Um, But just look out on my website because I'm updating my newsletter for mental health. So I'm going to be posting a lot of information on everything mental health within the black community and our culture. So Check that out. That's cool. What's your IG? You got to give it a name. Oh, who is Isla? Like, who am I? Who is Isla? My IG is, is who is Isla? A-A-I-L-A. It's not Aaliyah. It's not right. none of the other stuff, okay? I got to get them right. Get so, look. Right. Um, <laughs> and a good takeaway from this episode is, what I felt is the language, right? Learning the different languages to use to get through to different age groups is very, very, very important. So, now that I've been uh, exposed to it, I'm going to take it upon myself to mm-hmm. learn the language and use the better language to try to either express myself or to reach to a younger generation. But again, um, whoever listens to this podcast, thank y'all for tuning in. I am Sir Gates. You can follow me at Sir Gates BC. Also follow the podcast at Inherited Podcast on Instagram. That is N-H-E-R-I-T-D Podcast. Follow the main page at Inherited. Until next time, we see y'all later, man. It was a good talk. <laughs> that was a great That was really good.